Hey, Soul City, my name is Jared Hurd. I am a pastor in San Diego, California, and I am excited and thrilled and humbled to be with you today. Although I gotta be honest, I'm a little bummed that I am not actually with you. Jarrett and Jeannie asked me to come to Soul City this summer. And it would have been my first time at your church that I've heard so much about over the last 11 years or so. And I love the city of Chicago. Uh, I love coming to Chicago. Uh, Rosanna, my wife is from Chicago. Uh, I have three boys, Dane, Hayden, and Ezra, we have visited Chicago many times and we even have a dog named Wrigley. So I don't know how much that makes me part of the home team today, but I'm thrilled to be with you, thrilled to be sharing with you. I also love your pastors, Jarrett and Jeannie. They've been to our church, church at Rancho Bernardo several times and our church loves Jarrett and Jeannie. I personally love Jarrett and Jeannie. Uh, I've known them, did the math today, I think about 14 years or so. And I heard Jeannie speak, uh, I think it was about 14 years ago, for the very first time, I was sitting on the back wall of a youth conference and she was talking about taking care of your soul. And that talk marked my heart. And I'm a different kind of a leader because of it. And that was in the days before people really were talking about soul care the way they are now. And I just have been uh, so inspired by them and watching them. Uh, Jarrett and I have known each other for a long time. I don't know if he's told this story to your church before, but a couple of years ago, Jarrett and I were in Colorado together and we went horseback riding with about 35, 40 other pastors and it did not go so well. Uh, in fact, two helicopters had to come to carry two of these guys on the horseback riding trip off the mountain. So I say that to say, I'm glad Jarrett's alive. I'm glad <laughs> that I'm alive. And I am just uh, thrilled to be with you today. Uh, your team at Soul City is an inspiration to uh, not just your city, but to our church and to the nation and what's happening at your church, I hope you know, is inspiring, it's encouraging. And I hope that you tell your pastors regularly how much they mean to you because they mean a lot to me. And I just want to encourage you today. I know this year uh, for everybody has just been a year where the rug has been pulled out from underneath us. And it's ironic to me that before 2020, if you use the phrase 2020, you were talking about clear vision and clarity. And now when you use the phrase 2020, and I think this is going to be true for years and years, you're going to talk about haze and fog and we could not see clearly in the year 2020 until years down the road. Uh, a couple of uh, months ago, a friend of mine told me this, and I never heard this before, that uh, one tiny bottle of water has enough liquid in it to produce fog for eight city blocks. So just think about that for a moment. One little bottle of water, that's all it takes to produce enough fog for eight city blocks. And I don't know about you, but for the church at RB, for Roseanne and I, this has been a year where it feels like uh, gallons upon gallons of fog have been released into our life. And my goal for today, my prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that this message could encourage you, but also just maybe get some of that fog out of the way to help you see clearly. Uh, I want to tell you a story up front. Several years ago, actually it was a long time ago, uh, a little context on my life. I'm in San Diego, but I'm not originally from San Diego. I'm originally from the outskirts of Atlanta, Georgia, which is actually where Jarrett and Jeannie and I's path crossed for the very first time. And a little background on me, I went to three high schools in four years. Now you may hear that and think, well, that's not that bad. He probably moved a lot. A uh, little more context on that. I went to, uh, or I lived in one house growing up. 
And the reason I went to three high schools in four years is uh, truth be told, I had a lot of behavior issues. Uh, I had a lot of challenges uh, in my life, a lot of self-inflicted wounds. The short story is my parents divorced when I was a kid. I didn't handle all of that really well. And as it often does, some of my issues as a kid manifested themselves in the education system, in the classroom. And so kind of just kind of kept getting shuffled from school to school. And I tell you that to tell you this, when I was 17 years old, I was in the guidance counselor's office. And when you're 17, that's not a place you wanna be. I don't mean that as a disrespect to guidance counselors. I had a lot of great guidance counselors, but for me, that was always a place where they were about to tell me things aren't working out at this school and we need to sort of move you on. And I was in the guidance counselor's office, 17 years old. My mom was there. So it was sort of a double whammy on this particular afternoon. And the guidance counselor said to my mom, I'm not sure why she was wasn't talking to me because I was sitting in the room, but she said, we don't think Jared is college material. And my mom sort of, well, what does that mean? And she said, I think what that means is we need to transfer him to the vocational school in town. It was on the outskirts of the town that I grew up in, a town called Duluth, Georgia. And there's a reason I'm telling you all this. Uh, and so she stamped my file with the red ink And I remember that moment and got transferred off to the vocational school, which is where they essentially sent you if they thought you were not college material or were not on the college preparatory track anymore. And so I landed at Maxwell High School, the vocational school in the town that I grew up in. And when I got there, uh, they made you take an English class. And so I took an English class there. My senior year had to take another English class. This is my third school in four years. And I had a teacher there, her name was Mrs. Ward. And Mrs. Ward and I didn't know each other very well. I was just trying to fly under the radar. But the end of my senior year, she pulled me aside. We turned in our last paper of the year, almost done with high school. And she pulled me aside and she said, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. And she looked me in the eye and she said, why are you here? (laughs) Uh, What are you talking about? And she said, no, like, why are you here? And I said, look, I'm, I'm just trying to get out of school. I'm, I just want this to be over with and just get on with my life. I didn't really know where I was going, what my plans were. I knew I wasn't going to college. And I just wanted the whole high school experience to be over with. And she was holding my paper that she just graded in her hands. And she said, do you have any plans on going to college? And I said, uh, I said no, ma'am, I don't. And she said, well, that would be a shame. And she handed me my paper. She said, this is one of the best papers I've read in 20 years of grading papers in this town. And if I was you, I would really reconsider where your life is going. Why are you here? And I went home and I didn't sleep. And I came back to her the next day and I thought about what she said. And I thought about my life trajectory. I was 18 years old at this point. And I came back to her and I said, Mrs. Ward, I said, I stayed up all night last night. I thought about what you said and I couldn't shake the question, why am I here? And I think I maybe want to reconsider my life. And this is end of senior year. And she said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I might want to consider going to college. And she said, well, have you 
taken the SAT? I said, no, what is that? Uh, you know, what do you mean? And she said, well, it's this test that you gotta take. And I said, okay. And she said, uh, there's one this Saturday at a local high school. She said, I can pull some strings. I can get you in to take the SAT. So I went and took the SAT a couple weeks later, got my exam scores back and brought them to her. And she said, this is good enough for you to go to college. And uh, so short story is that question, why are you here? Changed the trajectory of my life. Ended up going off to the local uh, state university, the University of Georgia, uh, graduated, moved out to California, uh, which is how I got to California to go to seminary, which is where you go to school to learn to be a preacher. And that question, uh, why are you here, changed the trajectory of my life. And here's why I tell you that story, because I want you to think for a few moments about the why are you here moments in your own life and in your own story. I want you to think about those moments that Maybe you moved away from that town where that happened. Maybe that's what got you to Chicago. <laughs> Maybe you were in, you know, you're, you're from, I don't know, Kokomo, Indiana, but you got to Chicago because you were trying to get away from something. Maybe you got promoted out of that stage or season of your life. Maybe you divorced out of it. Maybe it was an AA meeting. Uh, and, and you look back and you think there's a lot of why are you here moments. Maybe there are moments that nobody that knows you in your 20s or your 30s, now your 40s, 40s knows about you because it was, it was miles away. It was years ago, uh, but you know, deep down, and maybe there's a layer or a level of shame to that story. Uh, I know for me, even telling that story to you, there's sort of a, like, I can't believe that actually happened. And the reason I say that, and the reason I want you to think about those moments, especially right now in 2020, is because this is what I believe in, in my bones, that God uses those, why are you here moments to set us up, to create the path, to strip away, to carve out the kind of leaders, the kind of men, the kind of women, the kind of followers of Jesus that he wants us to be. And it's the way that my friend, Mike Foster says it, the setbacks in our life are actually the setups for the thing that God wants to do. And sometimes to look at the current moment and to realize that we actually are prepared for this moment, we have to look back at the why are you here moments and see that God was doing something in those stages and those seasons of life. Uh, I wanna come back and close the loop on that Mrs. Ward story in a few moments. But before I do, if you have a Bible, you can turn it with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible, uh, that's okay. Uh, I brought my TV in from my house so you can uh, follow along with me on this screen. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And if you're new to church, this is the David and Goliath story. If you grew up in church, a story you heard all the time. If uh, you're like most people around the church at Rancho Bernardo, maybe you're new to church, not a story that you have a lot of familiarity with, but you've heard it somewhere in the cultural narrative. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book on this story. It's one of those stories that, you know, for a lot of people, it's, it's like mixed in there with, you know, David and Goliath, is that a Disney story or is that a Bible story? You know, we, where in the Bible is, you know, Lightning McQueen, you know, is a, uh, you know, which Jonas brother got swallowed by Nemo, all sort of uh, mixed into the same bag, but it's a story that, is a real story. And there's some hope for us when we go back to this story. And it's one of those iconic classic Bible stories, but these are real people in a real place some 3000 years ago. Uh, the Bible was not written in Narnia. 
David, real guy, Valley of Allah, where this happened, real place. You can still go there to this very day, stick your fingers in the stream where David pulls out the rocks that he's gonna slay the giant with. And I find so much hope and preparation in this story as we sort of look at our own stories in our own moment and the fog that we find ourselves in. And if you have a Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 17, we find this guy named David who is on the Mount Rushmore for Israel, even in the time of Jesus. He's the famous king thousand years before Jesus, but this is the story that really put David on the map. He shows up to a battle one day, I'll give you a quick overview. And he's only there because his brothers are there to face off against the Philistines. And how war worked in the ancient world is you had something called the contest of champions. It was actually a very efficient way to do war, where instead of, you know, like in the movie Braveheart or 300, where the militaries collide against each other, you would send out a warrior from your side. And this is what the Philistines are gonna do. They send out Goliath and Israel is gonna send out a champion. And it's a winner take all system. Whoever wins the contest of champions, that uh, military wins the battle, that nation wins. And so David shows up to bring his brother's lunch. And I don't know if he had the slingshot with him or not when he got there, but he shows up and he uh, is asked essentially, who are you? Why are you prepared in any way, shape or form for this moment of facing off against Goliath? And Goliath has been coming out for 40 days, beating his chest saying, give me a man. Uh, this striking figure, eight feet tall, Goliath, a massive obstacle in his way. And notice what David says to say, this is why I'm prepared to face off against David or against Goliath in this moment. First Samuel chapter 17. But David said to Saul, your servant. So Saul's the king of Israel and truth be told should be the one who goes out and faces Goliath, but he's sending David out instead. He says, your servant, this is David, has been keeping his father's sheep. So he's from the house of Jesse in Bethlehem. And he's saying, look, I'm prepared for this moment because I've been keeping your father's sheep. Well, which is an interesting connection. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and I killed it. So this is David's big, this is how I know I'm prepared to defeat Goliath because the lions and the bears and don't forget I am a shepherd. To which, I mean, come on, what's the connection between those two? If your boss came into your office tomorrow and said, hey, we're downsizing the company. Instead of having 50 employees, we're gonna have four, but you're one of the four. Give me a speech to tell me that you are prepared to be one of the four. And if you looked your boss in the eye and said, uh, when I was 14, I did some babysitting. And man, when I was a junior in high school, I had this pre-calculus test that stressed me out, but I did pretty good on it. Uh, no, what's the, like, what's the connection between killing some lions and bears and being prepared to face off against a giant in a contest of champions? But this is what I love about David. Look at how he prepares for the battle. He doesn't do what I would do, which is, you know, watch Rocky Four on repeat and visualize Ivan Drago falling. He doesn't chug a Red Bull. He doesn't uh, get down on the ground and do push-ups to sort of psych himself up. He doesn't deny his fear. He doesn't stuff it down and act like this is no big deal. 
what he does to prepare himself for the future is to remind himself of his faithfulness in the past and to remind himself of God's faithfulness in his past with the lions and with the bears. I want you to think about those, why am I here moments for a second? You, you see the, the connection. And I'm sure for David, when he was killing the lions and bears, he wasn't thinking to himself, well, I'm sure they're gonna paint this on the Sistine Chapel one day. Wow, look at me. Uh, no, he probably thought it was insignificant. He probably thought it was random. He probably wanted out of that moment going, why, why, you know, why am I just a, a shepherd? But this is what I believe for all of us today. Before God takes us to the Goliath in our story and in our life, he first takes us to some lions and some bears. And in killing the lions and the bears, he's preparing us in those why am I here moments the whole time for us to advance and for us to move forward through the fog and through the things and the obstacles in our story that we don't know what to do with. Think back on those why am I here moments for a second. Think back on those moments where when you think about it, you're going, why was I in that AA meeting? How did I let my life end up there? Uh, maybe it's a divorce in your story. Maybe it was a, a seven year relationship that took pieces out of your heart and you look back on it and you go, man, I've just tried to move on. I've just tried to cut that out. I've, uh, maybe it was not something moral. Maybe it was uh, a stage or season of your life that you look back on and you just go, man, that was so random. Why, why did I have to spend uh, two years in Toledo? That was uh, not holy. That, that, was, that was a bizarre turn in my story. Why did I have to spend six months at that job working for that guy? Why did I have to uh, live there? Why did I, maybe right now for you, you're in uh, a stage or season of your life where you just moved to Chicago and it was just a stepping stone or it is a stepping stone in your career path. And you're going, this is, why am I here currently? And this is what I believe. Nothing is wasted in the economy of God. And before he takes us into our finest hour in life, he prepares us through some lions and some bear moments. And all of that is being used for what God's going to do and what he wants to do in us and through us in our life. Nothing is wasted in the economy of God. And before David goes to Goliath, he thinks back on the lions and the bears in his story. And he knows that he's prepared for this moment because of those moments. This is actually a thread all throughout scripture. You see this in the Old Testament, you see this in the New Testament, that God doesn't waste anything. Things that in our story we look at and we go, this is weird, this is random, why is this happening? Or this is so insignificant. And why am I stationed at this post for this stage or season of my life? And God the whole time is using that. I love this in Zechariah chapter four, uh, the people are trying to get the courage and the energy and the time and the resources together to build a temple that's been laying in ruin for a long time. And there's a guy named Zerubbabel, which is just a great name that he's raising up uh, to rebuild this temple. And it's, it's kind of lying there in ruin. Nobody quite knows, you know, when to start the rebuild project and process. And notice what God says to Zerubbabel and the people. He says, do not despise these small beginnings. Uh, how often are you guilty of that? How often am I guilty of that? The small moments going, uh, I hate this. 
Uh, I just wish it would get big. I wish it would grow. I wish it was uh, beyond this point. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand, those small moments, those random moments, God's always at work. The lions and the bears. Uh, Jesus in Luke chapter 16 says this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever's dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And when you have uh, the, the small things in your life that you're faithful with, the lions and the bears, God uses all of that to prepare and strip away and create the kind of person that he wants to create and the kind of character he wants to create in you. Several years ago, uh, Rabbi, Rabbi David Wolpe, uh, one of the most well-known rabbis in the United States was talking about the nation of Israel and their long painful past. And I won't do a deep dive on it, but if you know anything about the nation of Israel currently, uh, there's always turmoil, there's always war, there's always stress. And he was talking about this in an article that he wrote. And he said this about the current moment of Israel. He said, don't forget, there are troubling signs to be sure. Yet through our past, if you go all the way back uh, to Moses, the book of Exodus, yet through our past runs, uh, there are troubling signs to be sure. Yet through our past runs a golden thread of providence. When I read that phrase, man, it just stuck with me. There's a golden thread of providence that has not been snapped by catastrophe, enmity, or indifference. Uh, there's a golden thread of providence the whole time that nothing can break when we're stepping forward in confidence, trusting that God is alongside of us. He's using all those, why am I here moments for something. And there's a golden thread of providence. I, I love when David continues his speech he, he keeps connecting the dots. He keeps seeing that golden thread that we often miss in our own life and in our own story. Uh, notice what he says in this next part as he's talking uh, to Saul. He says, look, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, again, with the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine, Goliath, will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. And he goes back to his past to remember that he is prepared to advance in the future. He says, look, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So he's moving forward in confidence because he remembers God's faithfulness in the past and he remembers his own faithfulness in the past. Look, I don't know where this lands on you today. I don't know where the pain point I don't know where the fog is sitting the heaviest in life right now. Uh, it could be vocational. It could be relational. It could be financial. Uh, there might be some swirl of all of that in your life right now that just feels like uh, gut punch after gut punch this year. But I, I just want us to take inventory for a few moments and just step back from our current story and, and if you think about your life, I, I would imagine there's some lions and some bears that have prepared you for what you're currently facing. Uh, if you think back in your story, if you're anything like me, I would imagine that somewhere along the way, you have, you have prayed for God to prevent something from happening. You have prayed for God to protect something from happening. And if you're honest, it, there, there's times where you look back and he did not. 
and he allowed some suffering. He's allowed some, some pain that was unwanted. He's allowed some, uh, some protection did not happen in your story. And when the, that happened in your life, uh, in those moments, you, you called it pain. You, you looked at that stage of life, you said it was just painful, it was painful. Or depending on how wobbly your faith got in that stage or season, you might've even called it punishment. Why is God doing this to me? I was talking with a guy a couple of weeks ago, just going through some major trauma in his life. And he's, he's looking at it through that lens of punishment. Why is God doing this to me? And, and here's what I want you to see today. And, and for all of us and myself included, I'm really preaching to myself today in our story, what we often call pain or punishment is what God uses as preparation. And there's a golden thread of providence through the story. And I don't mean that as some Pinterest quote today to say, well, everything always works out. Look, there's a lot of things I'm not sure on this side of eternity, we always get to make sense of, but I do know, and I do believe, and I do trust that at the end of the day, God is not wasting anything in our story and he's stripping away and he's refining and he's preparing you right now for your finest hour, even if you don't know what it is. He doesn't waste anything. And I just want you to know this today. You maybe are looking at a Goliath and you maybe are standing in the valley financially, relationally, job, whatever it may be. But I want you to hear this. If you look back in your story, there's some lions and some bears. And you know what that means? It means you are far more prepared for this moment than you probably think that you are and your knees may be knocking, but if you think back on the why am I here moments, God's prepared you in ways that you can't possibly imagine for 2020 in the moment that you're in. Uh, maybe on the other side of the coin, you're in your early 20s. <laughs> maybe life was going great for you. You just showed up to Chicago a couple years ago. Uh, and, and now this happened. And you're not even to middle management at your company. And how in the world is this, maybe you're brand new, you just started a job and all of a sudden, and this just seems random and you just can't wait for this year to end. And, and this is what I believe. If you could just step back from your 20s, from your 30s, and you could look at the panoramic view of your life, I, I just believe this today, that God is doing something in this moment that down the road, you're gonna see a golden thread from 2020 to maybe it's something you experience in 2050. <laughs> and in some moment of your life, relationally, job, whatever it may be, you're gonna look back and say, 2020 was the lion and the bear year where God prepared me for the Goliath that I was gonna face. Uh, there's a golden thread of providence today. And I just want us to step back and see it. The lions and the bears in our story, the why am I here moments, the setbacks are these setups and these preparation moments for something. And you're far more prepared for today than you possibly think that you are. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 7, David is an older, wiser king. And he's well along in years. And he's probably thinking at this point in his life, most of his battles are behind him. But God asks him once more to go off to Philistia and recapture the Ark of the Covenant, this uh, famous symbol of hope uh, of the presence of God with the people. And he's terrified. His knees are knocking. He's thinking, if I go face the Philistines, I'm going to die. Uh, we're going to lose a lot of men in that battle. Why in the world would I do that? And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, God reminds him again of this golden thread. Notice what God says to him. Now then, tell my servant David, 
This is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock and appointed you ruler over all my people, Israel. David, do you remember the golden thread from the why am I here moment to this moment? Uh, And then he says this, I have been with you wherever you have gone. You remember when you were in that AA meeting? Do you remember when you were uh, in the guidance counselor's office and the red stamp got placed on your file? I was with you that whole time, wherever you have gone. And I've cut off all your enemies from before you, David, come on. There's a golden thread of providence through the whole story. And I will be with you once again in that moment, just like I was with you in all of those moments. I was always preparing you for this. Um, I told you that story up front about Mrs. Ward to essentially tell you this story. Uh, On March 2nd of this year, I was with some friends, uh, actually some guys I didn't know very well. I knew one of the guys, uh, his name's Joel Thomas. He's a good friend of Jarrett and Jeannie's as well. And uh, Joel, who's a pastor in Arizona, invited Roseanne and I uh, to come to this house in, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona uh, with Joel and his wife and two other pastors that I did not know from other parts of the country. A guy named Kevin who lives in Nashville and a guy named Ben who lives in Ohio. And uh, so we flew in on a Sunday night, woke up Monday morning, got to know all these guys. Uh, Joel was kind of our common thread that, you know, kind of knew everybody, but I got to know Ben, I got to know Kevin really for the first time and their wives were there and we were gonna uh, just meet and encourage each other for a few days and, uh, and then go home. So this is right before coronavirus hits in America, March 2nd of this year. And uh, one morning, the first morning we were there, we're sitting on the back patio and we're all getting to know each other. And Joel says, why don't we tell each other our stories of how we all became pastors, uh, our life stories, where we're from. And uh, I told on that particular afternoon, that Monday, uh, the story that I just told you about Mrs. Ward, about why am I here? And the reason I told you that whole story is because Kevin, who's a pastor in Nashville, had just flown in that morning. Uh, I tell the story and his jaw hits the floor and he says, wait, where, where did you say you're from? And I said, I'm from a town, Gwinnett County, Georgia. And he said, no way. He said, I'm from Gwinnett County, Georgia. And here we are in, on a patio in Phoenix, Arizona. And he's a pastor in Nashville. I'm a pastor in San Diego. And he's like, what year did you graduate? And he, you know, we start realizing there's all these connections. And he said, dude, uh, who was the teacher in the story? What was her name? And I said, her name was Mrs. Ward. And his eyes got big as Frisbees. He said, dude, no way. I know Mrs. Ward. And I said, are you kidding? He said, yeah. And he forgot his phone. It was in his car in Nashville. And on his Apple watch, he says, hey, Siri, (laughs) uh, call Nancy Ward. And 21 years have gone by. And he asked me, he said, have you ever told her this story? I said, no, I, you know, I graduated high school, uh, went to college, moved away to California, uh, lost touch. It's been 21 years. And he said, you need to tell her this. And so on his Apple watch on the back patio, in Phoenix, Arizona, I reconnected with Mrs. Ward. And I know this sounds like one of those crazy preacher stories that you hear that's made up. And uh, I promise you it's not. In fact, somebody got their, their camera out and filmed me talking to Mrs. Ward. And I wanna show you that footage right now. Take a look. 
on the back porch of a house in Scottsdale, Arizona, meeting with some pastors. And I'm here with a pastor named Jared. Jared Hurd. Do you remember Jared Hurd? Yes. She does? <laughs> Talk in my wrist. Mrs. Ward. Yes. You really remember me. I, I don't know how that happened either, uh, but we're sitting out here, we're telling our life stories. And I was telling my story of growing up in Gwinnett County and I was not even gonna go to college. And I happened to be at Maxwell High School and they made you take an English class and you read my paper and pulled me aside and said, are you planning on going to college? And I said, no. And you said, you really need to reconsider. I've been reading papers in this county for 20, 30 years. I think you were at Shiloh for a long time. Yeah, I was. And then you said, this is, I don't know if you said the best, but one of the best papers I've read. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that moment? I don't remember that moment, but I remember you. Wow. And you helped me get in to take the SAT at Parkview High School. And I brought you my SAT scores and they weren't great. I wasn't going to share that part of the story. But <laughs> you said it was enough to get me at Georgia Perimeter. Yeah, I, I literally have thought about you once a week for 20 years. I can't tell you how many times over the last, how many ever days of this quarantine, how many ever days of coronavirus, I have watched that video as a reminder in what has been the foggiest year for all of us that God, before I entered into the fog of 2020, before my knees are knocking as a leader going, how in the world, what in the world? God reminded me on the back patio in Phoenix, Arizona, of the lions and the bears and the why am I here moments as a way to speak deep into my heart and into my bones. You are prepared for the Goliaths that are in front of you this year. And I hope that encourages you today. And maybe for you, you need to carve out some time just to think back on your story because right now your feet are standing on the edge of a riverbank and you're going, I don't know how I'm gonna get across. You're holding a slingshot and you're looking at something large in front of, front of you and you're going, I am not prepared. I don't have the resources. And that giant is bigger than anything I've ever faced. And I just want God to speak and press deep into your bones and your heart today. You're more prepared than you think that you are. And he's been with you the entire time of your story. In the valleys, in the mountains, he's been working and stripping away and carving away and getting you ready for the life that's in front of you in the moment that you're currently in. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that when I was 18 years old and had no clue what life held in store, you did. When I was sitting in 1999, had no idea where life was going. You saw 2020. And I just ask God in this year, in this moment, for my brothers and sisters who I wish I could be with today in Chicago, would you just uh, reach through the laptop? Would you speak through the AirPods? Would you come through the TV and in ways that maybe they've never really even felt before, deep in their heart and soul, would they just be encouraged and lifted up and reminded 
of your faithfulness. God, for somebody who looks back on that stage or season of their life and they weren't even a follower of you in that stage or season, would you remind them you were there the whole time and you were, you were pulling them through and you were writing a new song in that valley to put in their mouth in this moment, in this season. And God, I thank you. We never walk alone in this life and you're always there alongside of us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all of God's children said, amen. Grace and peace, my brothers and sisters. <laughs>